Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, it's Brennan. We're deviating from our regular programming for a special episode today. We here at 25 Years are enjoying the lead up to our favorite holiday, and to celebrate this, we're airing one of our opinionated podcasts. The Opinionated series is one of our Patreon rewards where Bob goes deep on a topic related to World of Darkness. Today's episode features the Path of Harmony. It's exploring its history and the impact in the lore and its purpose in the game itself. Uh, before we get to that though, we have a bit of news for World of Darkness in general. A couple of weeks ago, White Wolf announced that Hunter the Reckoning would be the next title to launch, and this week they released a small preview. Gone are the Imbued as Hunter the Reckoning now focuses on the mundane hunters and how they grapple with the World of Darkness. You can check it out on worldofdarkness.com, or you can find a link to it on our Twitter and Facebook page. And now, back to our show. Hey everyone, and welcome to Opinionated. And uh, we're just going to hit the road here, explaining in uh, well what this is about. What we're doing today is we're going to start going over the Sabbat histories on, in perception of the paths. We should say their ideologies paths of enlightenment but we're not going to do it in a traditional sense meaning we're not reading them out the book kind of going over each one to give you an idea we've done those those are on our website you can available through a traditional 25 years of vampire the masquerade podcast that's one version we were always thinking about a deep dive and it's now that we have kind of like the complete version like the actual final dagger on what the v5 sabbat's going to be that just came out um, we're now going to give sort of a well, not a bird's eye view, but mostly going to go through and just take a look at each one to get an idea of their evolution uh, to dispel and to add, I would say, clarity as to what direction the, 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 the excuse me, the uh, canon went to, um, why it's okay to deviate, and the, the discussion of morality in general. But where we're going to start at is the fact that uh, why did this come about? And easily done, we had a fan ask a question regarding the path harmony relating to one of the players in the V5 Sabat game and uh, that we do on Twitch. And that's uh, available. It's called the Phoenix Crusade on 25 years of EmperorTheMasquerade.com. You can check those out at your leisure um, as you have time. Please do. I know I had fun running it with the other guys and we do it every about every two weeks. And um, it's, a, it's a blast. But on there, there's a character by the name of Ramsey played by Brennan. And Brennan had a real hard time. He struggles a bit with understanding a harmonist, right? And there's a reason for that. We discussed it before he chose a difficulty, but he's always up for a challenge. And he said, you know what? I like Game Grow. I like where it comes from. I like that philosophy. I want to go with it. I want to see where it goes. And I don't know why it was discontinued in the Sabbat. Well, why I agreed to it as an ST, just to let you know, is because I also knew that with a challenge comes opportunity. Right, it's that simple. The opportunity here would be understanding that uh, V5's challenge was not knowing what the Sabbat was going to be. We had speculation. You could actually predict where they were going by paying attention to the moral code and how the, how people were using Sabbat and how it went to. But I say that because I'm a I'm a nerd who dove deep and has been keeping track of the stuff and all the books, blah 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 blah. I have a website and all that. Uh, dedicated to kind of being in the know more than the average Joe, easily more than the average Joe, I'd say. So um, to that end, kind of got a little authority here to sit here and say, well, let's take a look. Let's look at what these paths are and, and let's do that. And uh, the idea I said was why do it only for one path? Well, this one's only going to be one path. 
And to that end, it's going to be the path of harmony. We're going to take a stab at it. We're going to kind of pull it apart, look at it a bit, discuss what it is, what it isn't, and then see what happened to it and why V5 has a different take on it. Now, my intent here is not to tell you you should feel any type of way. Never is. The show's called Opinionated, folks, and this is my opinion. I do have it. I have a lot of them. And this is why you tune in. Uh, this one is to help you, though, align with maybe a better argument you might have as to why this stuff sucks or why you think they should have gone a different way or why you do something different where you're at. But whether you love it or hate what has happened to the Sabaton V5, you have to respect it. Someone had to tell the story. Someone had to do everything for it. That's that's what we're all about. So rolling forward, we're going to take a, take a stab at Harmony in the first edition, right? Now... For those of you not familiar, first edition was uh, arguably the golden age. This is where all things were new and everything was possible. Nothing was canon. The internet was not what it is today. By far, it wasn't what it is today. And all we had were these books, right? And the first ed book that came out was like the Player's Guide to the Sabbat, which finally gave us the ins and outs of how to play these evil villains. Uh, but I'm going to pause there to only segue to one thing. Because I almost forgot. There is something they didn't give you in the first ed book. And that is how to play the Sabbat from a player perspective. It was all very grassroots. It was all to inspire you to play what they made, to get what they had going on. And they used a lot of verbiage that would, uh, it would be like a friend sitting across from you at Denny's, trying to hype you up about a game they're trying to create to get going. And indeed, that's what it was, because it's a first edition book. And so they have an idea, they polished it as much as they could, and they released it to the public, and it stuck. They, they hit gold. Right, It worked for a time for where it was. But anybody who understands that time changes all things, you never stand. The true way to take any criticism is the fact that when it's given, you treat it as a gold mine it is. You ignore the negativity that could be there, but you, you never stand on your choice. The reason why you have opinions is so you can change them. Why I'm a fan of being opinionated about anything is because when I meet something that changes that opinion, I'm big enough to change that opinion. I'm quick to evolve my ideas as they're proven wrong. And I'm very quick to accept being proven wrong. But I best make certain that I am wrong, right? That's the that's the whole point. You don't lose sight of who you are in the pursuit of being correct and thus uh, more efficient, is that term. So first, that is not the, the polished efficient method, but it's the foundation that we stand on in terms of what the sabbat might be. And when we talk about the paths of uh, enlightenment, we're referring to the moral codes. For those of us, suppose you just tuning in, it's not enough to play a vampire who cares about humanity and masquerade and all that fun stuff. That's the traditional game of Vampire the Masquerade. And to that end, for those who have no clue what that is, but support the podcast because you like hearing us talk, let me point out a movie you can help understand what we're talking about. If you think of Interview with the Vampire, how you had the characters Louis and Lestat. Louis railed against the humanity of it all, that he's an immortal vampire that feeds on the living and the lives he ruins and the people he kills to feed his hunger and how he resists and how he eats rats. And But he still longs for companionship. He wanted to be a father. They have a child and see the horror that was to make a child or as, they, uh, as they embrace a young lady uh, who had a family stricken with plague, how that triggered it. But Louis sire Lestat... He's a vampire's vampire. And to help you understand that, Lestat is Sabbat through and through. 1000% is a Sabbat character in ideology, in morality, why people like to watch him. It's someone 
who truly believes he's above everybody else that's human and alive. The humans are just our food. They don't, they don't rate. They're irrelevant. The only people that matter are other vampires. Why can't you see that? And in that movie, you see it captured perfectly. Now, in Vampire the Masquerade, you may wonder why that similarity is there. Now, back in the day, there were rumors of lawsuits and whatnot between, you know, Anne Rice and Vampire the Masquerade and movies and Underworld and all that. You could look at that hype for what it was back then, and most of it was hype. It was uh, popular. Popularity is what drew people into those arguments because there are similarities. If you were a fan of Vampire the Masquerade and saw an interview with the vampire, and often I saw people go that direction, you know, they weren't fans of the book like myself, and then saw the movie, what you got was people who went, oh man, these guys, she's a, she's a larver. No, she's not. I mean, she might be now, for sure she might be now because her audience was, but Anne Rice hit it on the head and telling these great stories about morality, but in no way was she unique to playing with the idea of someone having power to truly be elevated above humankind and to be beyond the law. There is no law that holds a vampire in check. There's no mortal law made that they have to obey. A vampire is immortal and cannot die. You can't hang them. You can't You can't shoot them to kill them. You can't stab them to kill them. You'll be lucky if you can catch them. They're strong as ten men. They're more durable than anything you've ever seen. Etc, etc, etc. Reference Dracula if you don't get the game references and you can get that. And yes, there are vampire hunters, but we can agree those are few and far between and often more psychotic than that which they hunt, which is the whole point of that. And later on, we'll get into that philosophy. But why I circle back to the morality of it, if a vampire is so badass, it's so powerful, why do they attempt to be human at all? And we got to talk about the moral code here. That's because give a man power and watch them change. And I say man as in the totality of man. I don't care if you refer to yourself as a he, him, it, them, they, it, B-52, sword. I don't care what you relate yourself as gender-wise, and you could any slice of the rainbow you can be these days, and I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter. Give you $2 billion and watch it change your life and ethos socially with how you deal with everybody. Right? Everybody bitches about the rich needing to give up their riches until they themselves are rich. And then the tune changes. That's because in you as human beings, you have to be introspective to note your own selfish nature to have more than you need to make assurances in your life that you are safe, entertained, and placated by your own means. Unto your own power, you're, you're sated. That hunger is there but it's sated. However, you're never truly sated as anybody with billions can tell you. You always want more money or you want more glory. You want to do the next big thing. There's nobody famous that doesn't enjoy fame. There's nobody rich that doesn't enjoy the money. Remember that. And why I say that is because think of a vampire now who's above even them. If you can relate to the fact of when you have lots of money, you tend to spend more and buy frivolous things and more expensive things and really live it up. What happens when you get bored and you have that money? You begin to adventure and do other things, and things get more entertaining. Now, this game does wonders here. The World of Darkness more than understands that. Anne Rice more than understood that when she wrote her books. It's They said, yeah, we all understand what that means. And because it's familiar to us, we're entertained to see it explored in creative fashion. So, enter Anne Rice and her interview with the vampire queen of the damned and the vampire anthology she made enter these vampire role-playing games 
Now, to, now, since everybody's caught up on the same page, we're talking about that moral code specifically. Now, all good vampires, human-related, well, there's no good vampire, but those who try to maintain their human facsimile, right? They're more akin to ghosts than anything, right? If you became a vampire and were immortal, and you knew your husband or wife or kids or life partner or grandparents or your caregiver to someone, someone needs you, your friends, whoever it is, they're all now just food. You've become immortal and you need to feed on their life in order for you to sustain your own. And there's something in you that does not let you forget that. It's this awakening urge inside of you that is just called the beast. It's all that anyone knows. More learned vampires, more erudite, uh, claim that it's it's not the beast that you're dealing with solely. It is actually the self. It really is you. It's an awakening of those hungers that are in you, but it is the curse we bear as immortals that we seek to feed on the living. And thus the cycle continues. And why? Some say it was by God's decision. It's his hand. It's the, it's the sins of Cain against Abel that there must be murder, right? There must be a taking of life, a sacrifice of the blood, that is taken to sustain the power thus given. And in this instance, one can argue, was Cain making a sacrifice to God for no reason? There's a lot of stuff to look at uh, based upon that. Why I bring it up to you at all is because you got to understand the Sabbat. When I mention Cain at all, I break into that. I segue into that kind of sidestepping. But the point is, is why did Cain become a fixture, a focal point of it? And what about his morality? Well, if you understand Cain, and this is all out of character as adults, and you look at the figure of Cain, was he a being of power? Well, of course he was. He's the one that won in the tale. You had Abel, who is who is able-bodied. He's beautiful, loved, you know, he takes care of animals, and but he he slaughters animals. Right? Abel kills them. He kills them for food and, you know, takes care of them, loves every one of them. But he gets that there's a circle of life. Even then, that, you know, we, we got to eat and here it is and here it's done. And when God looks to, to Cain and Abel, he sees that Cain's really good as a farmer. You know, but does he get it? Does Cain get it? Does he feel that that's a, that's a thing he could do? And to that end, it's, it's questionable, right? Absolutely questionable. Now, why I make that point is because... Well, look at it. How would you think a farmer who doesn't hurt anybody to grow the best wheat fields, the best fruit, the best vegetables? Vegetables, uh, come on. Depending on how pedantic you want to get, vegetables don't care who they hurt, harm, or whatever. That's that's not a thing. You know, but animals do. They get pain. They're more evolved. And they certainly, you know, when I'm abused, ask anybody who's a fan or a pet owner. You'll understand that. But why does it end the way it does? And why do they have that going on? Well, in that story, not being a theologist here, we can all relate to the fact that it's because it's a good story. That's what it is. It builds up, right? Out of nowhere, when sacrifices are asked for, and we know how it goes, Cain ends up slaughtering Abel as the selected best and brightest and most loved that he has. Because it's a sacrifice. He has to sacrifice something in order for God to give him something. Now, to everyone... The best part of that story is that Cain's a son of a bitch. He did that, all that evil jerk. My, I can't believe he did that. Out of, but, but I ask you something. Why did he think out of a hat to do that? Don't you think that's the more interesting part of that story? Name a time you ever did anything that took so much from you. 
right? I want you to look at your child or look at your most loved spouse or your life partner or your mother or your father. Best of relationships you have. Look at that most prized possession. And I want you to pretend to be king and to hear a voice from beyond that is God and you know it to your soul is God. And God asks of you to sacrifice them, to prove your love for God. That's all that is asked of you. Do you say no? Would you do it? Most certainly, there are quite a few of us who'd say no and would reap the whirlwind. You, you don't know. You couldn't do it. Couldn't bring yourself to do it. I don't know a mother or father who wouldn't sacrifice herself for their children. The same to be said about spouses, you know, loved ones, things like that. But here's Cain in the same shoes. And he looks at his most beloved brother and he says, nah, I'm doing it. Why? Now, if you know the story, he's jealous, right? He only has crops to give. How could they ever be enough to equate the life that is sacrificed? And so he must choose his brother or he doesn't know what a wrathful God is going to do to him. So he has fear or the loss of God's love is what he might have feared. Because in that time, the way it was written, biblically speaking, God was felt all around. Lose that connection with God or lose the love of your brother, which is greater. And one could say the Old Testament God was a jealous God. And for Cain and Abel to have such a love for one another and just take God for granted, I think the sacrifice might have been its own reason to be asked for in the first place to right that wrong. Never forget your love of God before anything else. And that could have been the lesson. But here's the point. This would mean that by Cain doing what he did, he would have been gifted with something. He did the worst thing that he could possibly do to show his love for his creator. That's what he did. And instead, what you have is you have some some mortal wrote this story, right? And not like immortals exist, but someone normal wrote this story. And what they write about it is the fact that no matter what, God's apparently a jerk, right? He did that on purpose. He's, he's an a-hole. Everyone gets that. Nobody understands, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, he's going to curse him, move on, and blah, 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 all this stuff, send angels, and Cain's an asshole. Is that true? Well, I'll leave you to understand that. But insofar as Vampire the Masquerade, the Sabbat see it differently, right? They see that they understand the sacrifice Cain did, and they don't see the curse of vampirism, which is what the game says Cain inherited for a sacrifice, as a, as a negative. He gets power, is what they say. He's learning to use that power. And he walks alone in the world, forever immortal, to polish his craft. And there's a lot of lore around Cain at this point, right? He bears the mark of God. Nothing can kill him. He's considered the first murderer. He is the murderer, the father of murder. He is so good at it. That's what it is. And he defies everything that comes to him. Any angel or any attempt to at forgiveness from God, he says, no, no, no. And the whole reason why is that he seems to be, uh, it's hubris, right? That's what seems to be going on. Well, is it? And uh, that's sort of what they leave the game wide open for you to determine, not only for your games, for what's true and what's not, but sort of to give birth to why the moralities, the paths of enlightenment can exist, and why they would have moral codes as being a facet of the game. It's so that you, the players, can also enjoy this, this cosmic dichotomy of trying to figure out your place in the world. Because it's the only way we as human beings playing the game can actually care and understand immortality. Is that you have to be in it. To, you have to have something that grounds you in it to get that philosophy going. But Because otherwise, what is life? Yes, you can play a game every time you sit down and play it. And you can treat it as if 
yeah, you're not really immortal. You just got superpowers, but then you're like mutants and X-Men and it's a different game and a different feel. To keep you grounded in that feel, it is super important for storytellers to go at this a different way, to be about it at a different route. And that's the important part, right? That's what you have to understand and consider. And to this end, when you approach it, when you get around it, I should say, to, to talking to your players and dealing with these paths of enlightenment, you have to approach them with that understanding, right? And saying, hey, you're immortal, but you're not just here to be immune to bullets or whatever. And here's some superpower strength and speed because that's boring. That's limited. You wouldn't get a single adult who'd want to sit down to play that game unless it was just, you know, it's an all, the power went out and we're stuck out in the cabin and we got nothing else better to do. Why not run around and smash some stuff with an interesting story around a campfire? And that's okay. You could do it that way. But that is not as intended. Now, that said, waxing poetic, this is about Path of Harmony. I'm getting there. Just got to set it up polished. Let's flip back now to understanding what we wanted players to get when it first came out, right? They released in 1999 in a guide to Sabbat. And this came after first edition. But they released in 1999 the motivations of what the Sabbat should be. Player focuses. And this came about from people not understanding what they initially did in first ed. And we will get to those motivations. I'm laying the seeds so when you hear what they wanted you to get from Harmony, understand that they threw the paths at you first, gave you a loose idea of what you're building as a player, with a lot of terms telling you how to be a monster, how to be ruthless and cutthroat and violent and murderous and sect, cult and rituals. And they threw all that at you. And that's what they had in first ed. March forward, be fruit flies and multiply in your packs. Be badasses of the night. But they didn't tell you how to do it. They just told you, read the paths, get it, and move on. And so the players, you thought picking a path was part of the process. We don't pick humanity because that's what the enemy has. That's the Camarilla. Those are the guys trying to retain it. But as vampires, we don't get while they're trying to retain their humanity. Because even at that time, there was tons of stuff about humanity, but most players just wanted to play a vampire and be involved in that game. Well, why a vampire cares about the humanity is because remember those urges I told you about? that you get, you become an immortal, and suddenly you have this awakened urges that want you want to feed on life. We're talking about blood. Blood is the life, as Dracula put it, and that is the exact way that it's seen. You steal life from others to sustain your existence. They die in order for you to be there. Now, they don't always have to die, but at some point you will kill, and you will stop caring that you do. The first time you go hunting is the best way I can relate this to everybody right now. I've been hunting. For, we went out for like squirrels, I think, at first to understand how it is. We had our 22 rifles. I didn't even load my gun. My meat came from the fridge. And it was hot dogs. And a minute later, I could have two hot dogs and some buns and a little relish and call it a day. And I was right as rain. I didn't have to shoot a squirrel in the head to get that. I didn't have to skin fur or make something bleed or hear it squeal and cry because someone was a bad shot. When I went out walking... Uh, with them hiking through the woods and we started shooting at squirrels and they were doing it. I was listening to the chuckling, the cessation of human jackals is what I call it. To hear uh, these these young men sit here and chuckle about how their dad uses bigger rifles and sometimes they go after bigger prey. And they've been doing this since they're knee high to a grasshopper. And you haven't lived till you hunted deer. That was the big thing. Everyone liked talking about deer. And I sat there and I had a level of disgust and anger that welled up in me, but it wasn't at them. It was the fact that we live in a world where I'm not born with an instinct like any other predator has. 
There's no predator that apologizes for eating their prey, yet here I am, and I can understand that squirrel is adorable, he's cute, he has just as much right as everyone else to run around and eat, eat acorns. I don't need to eat him to live. I would gladly sacrifice my ability to eat all meat if that little squirrel could live. Then something happened when they looked at me and told me to take a shot. Now, I want to describe this because when I had to take that shot, and I knew my gun wasn't loaded, first off, I knew I was lying. I told them I loaded it, demonstrated I knew how to do it, but then I unloaded it while everybody was loading theirs. And I did it because I made a choice before I went that I was not taking a life to sustain me needlessly. They couldn't tell me I was out there and anything we shot was going to a meal anyway. Now, I was told they were, and there was indeed someone collecting the squirrels and putting them in a bag to use later on, and I had to partake of that meal. I had to. The family insisted, and I and I agreed with that. And uh, squirrel meat sucks for anybody who's asking, but we'll move on. Um, and probably sucked because of how I felt, to be honest, not because of how I was prepared. But they bagged six squirrels total, but when they asked me to shoot, I remember aiming, took aim, and I just told them, sat and load the gun. And immediately I was knocked down peg. Suddenly I wasn't as strong as I was. I wasn't a man. My balls were empty or whatever you want to call it. I didn't have hair on them. I blah, blah, blah. What a coward. What a coward. What a coward. And uh, I didn't take it that way. They said all that, all that peer pressure, threw it in my face. I didn't care. Um, if anybody thinks you ridiculing me or anybody about being a man is a problem, um, you haven't been black long enough in America. You know what I mean? In the world, really. And that's not going to get to me. You can say whatever you want. And I'm not opening up a can of worms or just saying that's my basis. I was like, cool. I don't fit in. Yeah, also, I was a big guy my whole life. And what's next? You're fat. I literally threw it all in that same pocket of emotion, except I couldn't get rid of one thing. Could I take a life to sustain my own? And I felt the hypocrite because every time my mom cooked, you know, nachos or tacos or steak and we grilled or whatever it was when we had it like that to have that. Um, I, I adored it. I enjoyed it. It was delicious. It was yummy. I had it. But then I never put any thought to what happened to the animal to get there. Just wasn't there. Now, that's how I felt then. When I went hunting a second time, it would be for deer. This was different. The hunter I went with uh, was a guy who very much cared about the animal. Um, I had friends who we I, I knew him through the family we went with, but he was our guide. He was very strict with me. I had to know about gun laws. I had to know about the first off, first and foremost, there was no ammo in the gun I had whatsoever because I was the virgin shooter. I didn't have a firearms license. Now, say what you will, it's down south. You you make jokes, everybody owns a gun, but that's because they hunt. A lot of families supplement hunting to fill the table, and that's what it is. And he's the one to point that out to me, that a lot of people go hunting for venison do so accordingly. And suddenly... I, who am a vampire player of a vampire game and understanding intimately how a vampire might want to retain their humanity in that position. Here I am having to hunt because, as he told me, we hunt every season and we need to bag two deer. Two deer feed four families that we have in the neighborhood for the entire season. So we put them down, we drag them up, get them to the truck, bleed them, skin them, you know, chop them up, do what we can. And he himself uses the skins and blankets for the deep cold and things like that. Uh, but no part of the animal is wasted. Everything's done and you honor the animal in doing that. That was the moral justification that because the animal serves a purpose, you have to make sure it is purposeful. There is no shooting to shoot. And most importantly, there are no bad shots. I got to shoot that gun all of zero times the entire time I was there. 
repeatedly he asked me what gun safety was for it that was a safety on the gun i brought that i know how to load it why did you point it at my foot don't you ever point that at me that type of thing and it was hardship that a good hunter needs to put everyone they teach through and in this i understood what a mentor and vampire is supposed to be if i gave you the immortal gift it is my responsibility as your sire to walk you through the paces and hammer home that you may be taking a human life but that human life need not be wasted because it slaked your thirst. That's not what that's about. You can make it that way, but then you might be someone who can't handle immortality. And I've made a mistake. And that's something to look about. But that is someone on humanity. I told you that whole story, not to open the drum about hunters, but for you to get the gist about why you can correlate what humanity is, the struggle. There must be purpose when you hunt. There must be value to whom you hunt, and it matters to you as to what you're doing. Because you may not want to shoot a squirrel because, come on, right? What's the squirrel going to do? And, you know, that's, no one's gaining from that. And what's, what's the point? However, if I told you that a community is relying on that meat, otherwise, what are they going to have? But gruel or whatever, who the hell knows they're going to eat? But there's a purpose and a point. Well, suddenly you need to feed to survive. And when you need to feed to survive, that changes the morality. So that's where a vampire is. They need to feed to survive. They're not be held to the guilt that one can heap upon them. All right. Well, where's the excess? Where's the line then? And they birth the paths of enlightenment for the Sabbat side, which is the focus they gave everybody first before the Dark Ages. Now, when you deal with the Sabbat, we got to understand what they are. And for everyone to get it, I told you that Hunter's story clearly... The relationship with mortals outlines what humanity is to me and how it makes sense to me, the way they present it in the game. Our moral codes define how you would be as a human being, and we know what, what's right and wrong as a human being because you are one in the world today. That's the genius of this game. They made it modern, so you can get that. Made it a part of what you're playing. The hard part is your bestial impulses, that part that is hard for you to admit that you can get behind wanting to kill. You can get behind lust fulfillment. You can get behind indulging in, in alcohol and drugs because all those euphoric feelings and sensations of being sated in your favorite meal, having the greatest sex ever, all the drugs you could be on, it pales in comparison to feeding on life, delicious blood. It's nothing compared to feeding on it. And if that's the case, then you understand the addiction if you can understand that point and why vampires must feed. But you also get where the guilt comes from. Now, to the Sabbat, they say throw guilt out the window. Now, I tell you this because in the 1999 Guide to the Sabbat, they point out that motivations for why you would be a Sabbat character, they say you have to answer some questions. And here I'm going to quote a little bit, just a bit, for you to understand what they were trying to drive home. And in it, it says, What makes your character a superior being above the masses of humankind and the cowering Camarilla, which is the enemy? That's those who believe in humanity. What makes you a superior being? Well, that's interesting because they're already laying the building blocks for you to behave accordingly, right? You are superior. How does she view her existence and purpose within the Sabbat and her pack? They're asking again. The Sabbat operates in units called packs, and there must be a purpose to her existence. You're a vampire. Great. Now you're in the Sabbat. Why? And you're in this pack. What do you do in this pack? What, what is it that you're good at? formulate what this is and now they say does she believe Gehenna is real an impending threat because the codifying thing of the Sabbat is they're a religious death cult basically 
a medieval death cult to keep using that phrase that uh, Justin Achille, I quote him in saying that, and I, I sincerely agree with what he said. Because um, that's where, honestly, their, their roots come from. We need to get into that, pot it on it. But in this case, does she believe Gehenna is real? Well, Gehenna is that holy war. Gehenna is when the ancients rise, the founding vampire cl- of vampire clans who will come to wage some everlasting war and the Sabbat want to stop it. Now, why I wave my hand over and don't get his details, because I don't want you to get lost in it, and I'm trying to hit everybody that's listening, not just super fans. I want you to imagine that Cain is great and the first founder, and the, the somehow these Sabbat believe Cain needs their help. They've gotten it in their head that they could steal the blood back from the founding clans. The, the clans are vampire clans, we know that, but the why they're called clans is because you share characteristics, blood-borne characteristics and weaknesses that are allegedly portrayed and gifted to you by the most powerful out of the clan, which are the progenitors of the clans, you know, basically the uh, the third generation, the antediluvians, those who predated the flood and existed in the city that Cain ruled. That's them. But these people are all bastards, every one of them, right? You can look that term up if you want. We won't go into it. But let's just say that's what a founder is. Super powerful, but God. Cain's above them. But for whatever reason, Cain cursed them. They did a great wrong and Cain cursed them rather than kill them outright. No one addresses that in the Sabbat. What the Sabbat assumes automatically is why Cain did that is because the true curse he inflicted on the antediluvians was that he left a door open for anyone to supplant them through Diablerie. Diablerie is the act of stealing a vampire's essence, their last drop in taking their soul and power into yourself, even though you're not as great as they are. But you do elevate yourself by doing so. You become closer to the original vampire, which is Cain himself. Now, where's that come from? Understand, in the beginning, there's Cain. Cain gets bored, as you do, walking through life alone. And he decides that he will make only three children, despite the fact that he knew he might not. It's power he's sharing. Why would he do it? Probably for the same reason why a billionaire, if you're the sole most powerful billionaire in the world, you might splash the pot pot a little bit with like-minded peers who are not as good as you, just so you could have peers, period. Um, To... To get, I hope I shouldn't have to explain that. I mean, I just it's lonely at the top. I'll just go with that. So Cain finds three people and makes these three people. And these three people, they too have a city, but they feel bored. It's the same two people you're seeing every, or same three people you're seeing every day, including Cain in that three. And you you want people to lord over. Why? Cain gets to control what you three do, and look at the power he has. And those three are considered the second generation or the children of Cain. And they decide, well, we'll do it too. But Cain warned them before they made children and told them, Hey, look, I know I'm absent from time to time and I'm gone for a while and I'm going to leave you in charge. And it's his son, Enoch, he does. And he says, if you're going to do this, understand that the city that you're going to make is awesome. Guide the mortals. There are food. Shepherd them and be cool with them. Do that. But don't. Don't make lineage. Don't make any other vampires. I warn you. This, this is not what you think it is. Power can corrupt, basically, is what the lesson is here. These three make a slew. They make a gang of them. They're, it's arguments over how many lineages they made of the third gen, but they make enough to have a tribe, right? So that's what I'm saying here is that you have enough to populate a city. And that's the city of Enoch. And there's a downfall here, right? Now, what happens is these three realize their hubris and mistake, but they have loved people they elevated and made their own that they really like having around. 
and they're trying to figure out what they do, and they also know they're going to incur the wrath of Cain when he gets back. And so while they're plotting and trying to deal with that, these evil antediluvians, these third gen, this, there's a whole tribe of them, figure out that they could steal power. And we'll get into how. There are many evil personalities developed here to, to kind of sparse the game itself with clans. But they get together, they kill the third, the third excuse me, the second generation. The third rises up, kills the third, and King gets pissed. That's really what we have to focus on because it's the whole argument of the Sabbat. So if this tribal group of antediluvians, third gen, they jump up and murder the second, what does King do when he gets back? Now, if you're thinking right, you're going to kill him because that's what I thought. I think that every time I see the story, Cain came back, told you not to do it. You did it. But what happens? Retribution. Welcome to death. I know what you have. You have a gift that I didn't say you can have. In fact, expressly forbid it. But since you have it, I'm taking it. But when he gets back, it's worse than that. He feels more vindictive than we could ever imagine. He says, oh, you've done this great crime. Well, then I give you the curse that they actually have because I warned them of you. And now that you've done and supplanted and you've killed so much that there are only 13 of you left from that war with the second because it wasn't easy. It took a whole city to jump three vampires of the second gen to steal what they had and left in their wake only 13 vampires. And so he goes down the list, curses every one of them, right? Just boom, 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 boom. And then leaves. He abandons them. A fate Cain thought he had with God. Right? God abandoning Cain is the worst thing he could feel. Well, guess what? Cain gone really hurts this group. For some reason, these, these idiots thought they could do this and there would be no, no, no harm, no foul. Now, there's plenty of stories. Why they're called antediluvians, and this is important. They go to populate a city after the fact. And continue doing it, and it's debauchery, right? It's it's Babylon all over again. It's a world of evil, and all this stuff's going on. And God gets involved finally and decides to wash away all the evils of the earth. That's why they're called antediluvians, is because they were before the flood, and it's assumed their actions caused the flood, and that's what happens. And Cain basically is like, hey, hey, told you so. And that's what he does, but that's still not their curse. So according to the Sabbat, the curse is, Cain left the back door open and left them as victims because he wants them to suffer lex talionis. It is an eye for an eye. They have dealberized and had that power stolen. And so those most favored of Cain, those on the side of Cain, would be those who come to exhibit the same punishment upon the antediluvians. And any vampire can obtain this. The Sabbat openly declares war against the antediluvians, and they say that is the reason of our existence. We will right the wrongs, and we know it's going to take a lot of us. Just like it took a tribe, a damn city, to kill three second gen, it's going to take that many to drop our founders, but drop them we must. And they had some success ratio, because allegedly, the Zemisi Antediluvian, that's a clan in the Sabbat, they apparently killed their founder, and so did the Lasambra. And so they even had alleged reported success at killing these Antediluvians to make it so, to prove they're the sort of Cain. And boom, you have a cult suddenly created. Well, that's referred to as the Gehenna War, right? Because how the Camarilla is looped in, the the humanity vampires or the uh, Anarchs, you will, is because they don't participate in it at this point. When this is all made and invented, it was saying that the Camarilla and the Anarchs, they don't believe in this highfalutin ideological nonsense that's going on. And yeah, sure, cool story, bro. We don't know why we're here either, but we're not, until we see Kane, until he comes around to tell us what's what, we're not really going to start planning as if he's here. Until then, we got mortals to rule, we got power to use, and that's that. 
And the Sabbat's like, screw you, non-believers. The time to die is nine. That was the draw of the Sabbat for all players who played them. At least that was that was my side. Because in the privilege of you playing part of this religious holy sect, you had superiority. You had the comfort of a pack. Right, you had a superior mindset. You, the player, finally got to play something that was meant to be Lord above everything else. Whatever, whatever you did was golden. Like not a gilded cage, but a life uh, definitely royal, one would say. You're a vampire. There is no mortal richer than you. There is no mortal more powerful than you. And all you have to worry about is a vampire hierarchy, but it works like this. If they're not Sabbat, they're beneath you. Done. And it's that simple. And suddenly you're the lords of the night. Right? Lords and queens and that, or however you want to look at it, that's what it comes down to. Now, their purpose is to thus be the army that destroys the Antediluvians. However, anyone with a brain in their head understands that, okay, that's that's the Kool-Aid that was made and given to everybody else. But who put this idea in their head? And once you go down that road, you're beginning to think why we'll make other podcasts to help you follow that pathing. But to hold them together, to keep an army where it is... We have to remove introspection from the list. We have to remove humanity and conscience away from them. Now, why do we have to take it away from the Sabbat? Because we can't have cult fanatics hunting down antediluvians if you're going to hold guilt to what you must do to pursue this agenda. Wait a second, Bob. Why do I have to be ultraviolet to get the antediluvians are real or that they got to go and I want to do them in? Real simple. You got to be able to do what your enemy won't. In order to achieve victory in war. That's as they see it. Now, I'm not going to be the one to charge the antediluvian on the front line. Because I'm an elder. I know it's foolish to be the person up front. Right? The first 400 of you are going to die. Probably in seconds. To go towards some biblical blood god that we don't even know. And I reserve the right to be my manipulative, conniving self to survive and beg and plead for my life. Even though I'm the one where if that front line starts winning and they actually get that stake in you and put you on the ground, I'm the one to come behind and wipe them out so I can seize the prize. And if you think for a second playing in the Sabbat as a player that that isn't the agenda of any elder in the Sabbat, you haven't been playing this game. You're not paying attention. Right? The fools rush in. That's, that's what it is. But that's why they created a think tank, a war tank, to bring you in, to get you amped up, to be violent and ultra-violent, and not to question. Don't ever question what's above you. Go The way is forward. We're doing crusades. We're stealing power. We're using what we can. In order to get you in that mindset, we got to literally, you have to divorce that humanity that makes you question, that makes you doubt. That makes you second guess. We need that beast engaged. We need that instinct to kill, to be primed at an all-time high. And to do that, we got to change ideologies. We got to change approaches. We got to do that. This is where the moralities come in. And those moral codes are designed to just to do just that. And so number one, the sabbat of anyone embraces to dehumanize you. From putting them in the ground and pulling them out to murdering loved ones as your first feeding victims to rampant destruction and seemingly mindless violence it's all designed to dull and whittle down your moral compass to change it is to destroy it and from the ashes put something in its place and that's the goal enter one of those moral attempts to get that done in the sabbat in first edition they gave you the harmonist i know i said it's about that but i had to set it all up folks so bear with enter the harmonist 
The Harmonists have a basic belief. Everything has a purpose, even vampires. In other words, they believe it's a vampire's responsibility to walk that balance between uh, what they dramatically call the abyss and without losing their concentration, basically. They're going to walk over this very dangerous, giving everything up to the beast, their, their inner impulses, and maintaining a morality, a guiding light, right? They're going to maintain the walk. That's what they want you to do. You know, they, they back this up by saying vampires are, they're, they're not human, but they share many things in common with mortals. So because of that, it's best to remain true to your humanity, to your human side. Now, the monster inside is, is super strong. But if you give up your humanity, what's going to keep it in check? Right? There'll be nothing left. So they, it, they this path acknowledges that balance in humanity. But too many, you're going to say, why is it a different moral code? Don't all vampires do that? Now, here's where it differs. A vampire cannot be human. And they acknowledge that. A vampire must prey upon them as livestock to further their own needs. A vampire has a right to exist. And to exist, they must feed but they must never lose sight of what it is they must do and to whom they must do it to. So what that's saying is, is that it's great that you understand what your humanity is for and where you came from, but you're not human anymore. And you must look it in the eye and accept it. And when you accept that you're not human anymore, well, what are you given? What, what do you have to look at? If, if we just leave you with that, once you have that realization, you will let the beast win. You will become a monster, and that's possible. Anyone who loses their moral compass entirely to the beast, they become what's known as a white, which is just a mindless monster in search of blood every night, brutalizing the populace. Now, well, without control, I suppose it could be argued vampires do that anyway, but this, but at least you had a choice before you become a white. Now, why this is all important is because they're, um, mortals aren't to be treated. I should refer that. They would call them prey. The prey of a harmonist is not to be wasted or treated as valueless. Remember what I said about hunting in a deer? That's how a harmonist is going to look at humans. I hunt this particular prey tonight, and this is the reason why. And now that I've killed them and hunting them, how can I turn this to an advantage needed? How do I value their life? Or how do I honor it? And very many weird rituals harmonists create to reconcile their conscience, because they still have a conscience on this moral path. Their virtue there doesn't change. Now... The simple source is the fact that, okay, great, your prey might have been a school teacher and you happened to kill them, but you find that there was test scores that they had in their body scattered about the whole area. And as a harmonist, you might have picked up those test scores and stuffed them in the thing and finished grading the papers because they had that instruction and that was their point in life, you see, as a teacher. And you eerily leave that on the body, you know, all nice and tight so they can hand that out through the school, but you completed the work. Now, the cruel aspect of that is the fact that, think about the investigators. There's bloodstains on half these tests that were picked up from the field. There's evidence all over the place. And there's this odd, whose fingerprint is this? That's on a lot of the work. We have a pencil, grading pen and pencil that's there. And they have a profound understanding of what, well, depending, I guess, what the material is. It could either be they're really smart who did the grading or they're really not, depending on who did it. But they finished the scores nonetheless because they felt that just because this person is gone doesn't mean their teaching cannot still have the impact it did. And in that, they're honoring the dead. They're honoring the life they took, right? And, and what they were. But they do not shortchange themselves from feeding when they had to. They were hungry needed to feed. That is who became the prey. The prey was honored. And that's what they do in the aftermath. 
and et cetera, et cetera. It's a loose example, but that's one that makes that passes the bar and things like that to do it. It's always think about what you can do in the aftermath of what you have. Some people might say a harmonist would use the body parts themselves to advantage. Don't know how you would do that. Not going to get into it. Um, Well, it's Halloween. It's October. Maybe you make some different type of feed for animals because you know where a butcher plan is and you're going to compartmentalize and blah, blah, blah. Finally contribute to the circle of life in a meaningful way. You know, debone and be careful. Don't want to hurt Fluffy. But, you know, you get the idea. And that's something you can do, too. Very sabbat, still very harmonious. Right. You're assuaging that consciousness by saying their life had a purpose. They fed you. So, too, will they feed others, even in their in their usage. And you're totally golden to do that. However, the Path of Harmony is in many ways, as they stated it here, and I quote them in saying this, that it's the path of Golconda. It's hard to swallow it at this point because we know everything we know now. When this was made in first edition, the path, Golconda was never supposed to be just for any one sect of vampire. All vampires have this mythical pursuit of vampiric perfection, of getting to a point where they reconcile their beast with themselves. They become one and the same. And in that reconciliation, have peace and contentment with their existence. And some other weird powers might come from it as well. It's mythical, it's unthought of, it's called Gokanda. And that's what they want to achieve. And right here, the Sabbat has a grand disagreement with what harmonists are built in. You don't see it yet, but it's here. Because these harmonists are walking around, accepting their dual natures and whatnot, as a part of a natural order. And as they said, that God created, so they're religious as well. Uh... Saying that nothing is innately evil, and that's interesting in and of itself, that it's natural for you to be what you are and hold no guilt for what you do because you're a vampire as you were meant to be. So it's almost as saying as you were preordained to be as you are. And that's what it is. In fact, it is what it says. We'll go on a record and say that. So what's the big difference then? If that's what harmonists were, that sounds pretty cool to some people. Sign me up. Well, that's because it's a little too close to humanity, isn't it? Far too close to humanity. And it was done that way on purpose. There's some people that think this is a grand mistake, that in first study threw it out here and they didn't mean to do it. Wrong. There's a reason your clans don't all get along hunky-dory and sit down and have meetings every month on a global scale. There's a reason why there are three different sects of vampires who all disagree on ideologies, religious, moral compasses, and even organization especially, and treatment of mortals. Because conflict generates interest. Deliberately, there is opposition of drama built into this game, left and right, to have that purpose. And you can't lose sight of that when you see this. You can't one-sided say harmonists should have always stayed and existed because they were great. Well, let's change it a bit. Let's massage that. Let's get you to back off a tad to understand that, well, the harmonists existed to cause conflict in the, in the burdening of the Sabbat's ideals. Right, they're newly formed here in First Ed, and what I mean by newly formed is that it's their first incarnation. They're out the gate. They do have room for improvement, and you'll see that here in a second, but they put them down here. At the same time, you had this kind of rolling around. Dark Ages is a thing, and one of the things they had out there was Road of the Beast, and the Road of the Beast is basically a step ahead of what a harmonist is. And a lot of people tried to say when they played the Dark Ages, they looked at that and said, well, apparently Road of the Beast is where it starts and it evolves to hum- uh, Harmonist. Because that's what happens. You know, and back in the day, we didn't really care about the human side because, you know, death came easy. 
life is devalued, and we have to evolve to this state of accepting humans as part of the social structure. It's so harmonious makes sense. How do I know that? I lived through that era. That's exactly what we said. That's what we said in our home games. What was in live action games? People all agreed to that. However, remember what an industry exists to do is to stand you on your head and make you think in different ways. And that's what all the material's about. In the same guide to the, or in the guide to the Sabbat after first day that they rolled out with, uh, this is the uh, Happy Go Lucky 1999 guide to the Sabbat. They kind of throw out there what happened to the harmonists, right? And they highlight the fact that the harmonists are embraced the animalistic nature of vampirism, right? Made that a part of them. One faction did. And they decided that they're going to focus on that. That the bestial half, uh, the one that runs around and accepts hunting and how to hunt and a, and a different feeding ground is the city and how to see that as its own means. And that if I take and call the weak and those who would prey on the community, that is actually trimming and strengthening the community. And I'm looking to the health of the prey as a sole focus, but I never consider myself to be human as I do so. I'm only focused on being the apex predator of the jungle, so to speak, the concrete jungle in this case, or forest or whatever they imagine they're in. And that's how it is. So in focusing on the bestial side, we're completely letting go of those harmonists that believed in the humanity side, had a purpose and a point of being there. This rift is because of the Dark Ages Road of the Beast. This or Path of Beast or Path of the Frail Heart, if you will, is what it becomes. Uh, almost interchangeable. The road came before the path, yes, but this path developed and it's almost exclusively independent to Clan Gangrel. They because they kind of own it, right? They're out in the woods doing all that. And Clan Gangrel is an animalistic clan. In other words, they're closest to nature, using animals as a vector point of moral belief, right? That we can understand our beast within and our instincts because we observe the instincts of predators. And we know we are the apex predator. And indeed, they're correct. Nobody will refute that a vampire is the top above even humans in that regard. So the feral heart was easier to grasp. But the feral heart has a flaw. Keep that in mind. But those people were still considered harmonists in 1999. And they went a different way and started a rift with those on humanity and harmony. Well, the Sabbat step up and say, we always wanted the harmonists gone. There are political factions within the Sabbat. Won't get into them now, uh, but these political factions didn't all get along, but they all kept civil. Little known fact, there's a death cult of badasses in the Sabbat, and they're called the Black Hand. And they're the militaristic side of the of the Sabbat that are waging the war that the that the Sword of Cain has to fight. But they are going after high-valued targets, targeting the enemy, ruining every chance they can, taking down the Melders as much as they can do it keeping the army uh, going strong. These guys had to come in several times and stop the Sabbat from falling apart in civil wars over who's going to be in charge and not. You're going to ask yourself, why was there even room for that? I'm going to point back to the motivations they highlight to you, right? When I ask you the question, what makes your character a superior being? You know what isn't superior? Thinking that you belong under someone else's thumb. That there's someone above you, right? You're not superior if you're a subordinate. Right? Understand what those terms are. So that's your whole reason as to why the Civil War happened. You told my pack, we suck, and that you're now in charge. What makes you in charge? And then you kill Bob, right? That badass smokes me, and the rest of my pack shuts up and goes, well, he proved it. Proofs in the pudding. Which one of us is in charge now? Why? Well, he kind of pulled it on himself, and more than one of us had kind of meant Bob is a dick. He was like that. <laughs> You know, he would, he would call people out and sometimes someone has a bigger hammer. 
And that's that. Or the guy who stops me doesn't kill me to make an example. Understanding you need people to challenge you. Any good leader sees that. The one who challenges you is the one you make an example of, but then you raise them up in their destruction. You almost kill him to remind him what could have happened, and then you lift them to hammer it home, knowing you now have one of the biggest proponents of your philosophies that turn around and tell the rest of the pack, I challenged him and asked what would happen if we opposed, and we got the answer. Now as I heal, let's go do what he asked us to do. You may think to yourself, Bob, is that superior thinking? Well, I'm going to remind you. If you have to ask how prison life is, you haven't watched a single show or read a single thing about it. And anybody who's been to prison, there's tons of videos on YouTube to do this. They tell you the world is different inside a prison. It almost sets you back to your basics. If you thought high school was bad, bullying and whatnot, prison's on a whole other level. You have people who have impulse control issues, who don't know what moral compass even means, whose conscience is non-existent sometimes, and they have to learn it. No one's been strong enough to put them in check to tell them what they're doing is wrong. But man, will prison learn you. It is a school of hard knocks, and they will hammer you in place. You might be the strongest, and that means you're on top, and you'll prove it, and you'll be up there, or you'll be dead, or worse. But you'll figure it out. So too is the Sabbat. You're only as super and superior as your power can take you. And to the wise, you kind of play that right. <laughs> you take that easy. You meet someone that can hurl a car and all you can do is rip open a locked door. You might want to wait a second before you decide to take them on. Just common sense. They may be the dumbest person around, but then you better outwit them to show your cunning and find a way to get rid of them if that's the case. This is where the Black Hand enters. The Black Hand said all that nonsense stopped. Because to the Black Hand, you're an asset. You're an asset. The whole sect is. We need to call upon you as an army when we need to call upon you as an army. And you need to roll and hit the objectives we direct you at. If you can't figure that out, all that schoolyard bullshit, we're going to bring it to an end because you will disappear. And we're going to start with your leader, but we're not going to end with them. We're going to end with everybody who had a hand in the conflict. That means we'll wipe out both sides. And before you think, well, why is the Black Hand so badass? Everyone in the Sabbat knows why the Black Hand are badass. They are trained killers of killers. There is a clan that was made to do one thing. That is to eliminate vampires. That's all they do because their blood god they've never betrayed. Their blood god they've listened to every step of the way. And their blood god laid rules to live by. And they are ancient rules that predate Sumeria itself. And they understand what it is to do. And they've done nothing but master the ability to sneak in and wipe out anybody. And they do it the best. And this is, of course, the children of Hakim. Now, there's a rift that happens. And you got to know that, too, in all this Sabbat nonsense, where all the clans kind of get wind of that the children of Hakim are out there. And they try to curb them the same time they try to curb the Sabbat. And it's in the formation of the Sabbat. Read the Convention of Thorns and No More. But understand that after the Convention of Thorns, a most important thing happened that people overlook. Your Black Hand was birthed then as well. Because where you had the Sabbat form, and they were everybody that said, screw you, we'll oppose you always, you antediluvian following bastards, you had the children of Hakim who said, we are out here to kill all vampires, because that's what Hakim has bid us to do. And we have reasons why. Check their clan book to find out. Wait a second, your Sabbat just formed? Well, you used us during the Anarch Revolt when we opposed them. Would we not be better assets and allies than not? And when they said yes, fine. Now, why'd they have access to Chulakim at all? Pride, plain and simple. 
There are children of Ikeem who refuse to bend a knee to the formation threat of the clans. They are called the Unconquered, or asked them by name to tribute as they become. Now, to know more about that later, we'll get to it, but the uh, V5 covers it pretty decently about what an anti-tribute is and isn't. Uh, so, but this is about the Harmonists. Now, why I bring up the Killer of Killer sect? Ironically, when you have people who choose to play Clan Gangrel and they want to be a Harmonist, they believe they're Apex Predators. They believe they hold the drum for that. After what I just explained to you, there should be some doubt to that statement, that if everybody's a superior being, but yet the Black Hand is truly the killer of killers. And even within the Black Hand, it's the children of Hakim who, who invented it. They're the ones training most of what's in the Black Hand. Then how can we make this statement that uh, the killer of killers were superior somehow? Like, there's what's going on? The answer's simple. We don't tell anybody where they rate. Right? When you look back to the motivations, it's how do we prep the average vampire into believing they should be Sabat and act a certain way? Brainwashing. We bring you in and tell you you're superior and you make up a reason as to why you're superior and you know what the, the sect is about. You know what they got to do and you're adding all that in. Now the only thing you're missing to the Kool-Aid is the sugar and the sugar is your path of, of harmony that we want to kind of put in here because that's what we're talking about. And to the harmonists, that's where it comes from. However, even in the own harmonists, remember, one side says we got to be bestial and give in to the beast and the other side says we got to be human and remember the humans, right? No wasted prey. Yet the all of the Sabbat state that humans are only our food and we don't fear them. We don't care about a masquerade. If humans want to go to war, we'll go to war and we're going to win that war. It's on them to wage it. And indeed they do in V5 and the Sabbat uphold their end and fight them right back. So since we know that, that that's like true, that's not a false bravado statement, that's the end result. We begin to understand why the path of harmony doesn't last. It can't last. The Sabbat changed. And in, in just the course of one edition, goes from there was harmonists walking around to be kind of the the wet blanket. Hey guys, let's not kill a preschool. You know, let's just, you know, their new life. Let's go after like at least a, an old folks home where some people won't even remember we were there feeding. We don't even have to kill them. We can just feed and leave. Like what's what's the problem? Right? That's a wet blanket to a lot of Sabbat who just want to be themselves. We just want to feed and move on because their moral codes may not be the same. Often aren't. Now this gets put up or shut up and harmonist gives way to feral heart because remember we want to be the bestial side and that's where feral heart comes in to push the harmonist away so when you look at the phoenix crusade and this is the online game i told you about in the beginning and you look at the character played by ramsey you can watch brennan struggle with the fact that i combined both the start of the harmonist with the fate of the harmonist into one place for him to look at and every game he's looking at that and weighing his actions as to where he falls on that scale. Because there isn't a crowd you can hide behind when it comes to your moral belief. Your moral belief is a solo battle, folks. What you believe in is only on you. There's no one to say you're doing the right thing or you failed. And in that realization, you begin to get the struggle at all of what it is to maintain as a Sabbat vampire or a Camel vampire or vampire in general. Now... My hat's off to how that handled, because when you watch him go through it, you can begin to pick up on points, especially after listening to this, where you're like, knowing what Harmony started at and the fate of where it went there, that's interesting. But we're not done. Where we know the Harmony is split and that there's sort of a war, right? Because there would be. So it's, it's really the most quiet war the Sabbat have. It's where the majority of the Sabbat run the Harmonists out of town. They give them a choice to leave, because if you stay, we're going to kill you because you're humanity's servant. You're humanity's serving into Diluvian lovers. Based on that fact, because it's just what the Camarilla does, you're no different. Figure it out. And for the most part, they do leave. 
those who can leave anyway. For those who stay and like basically are called Feral Heart adherents, if you will, um, great they're here, but they wouldn't necessarily call themselves a Harmonist unless your name's Yang Sun and you're a badass. It's just a named canon character they had out there for a bit. Um, despite that, the Great Calling happens and Feral Heart reigns. What's the problem with this Path of the Beast then? Well, if we tell you that the Beast is always talking to every vampire and is teaching you that you should give yourself up to the instincts that you should have is that, that instincts should be stronger, that your convictions matter more than your consciousness, that you should devour your consciousness, and uh, not your consciousness, your conscience, your guilty feelings, your human side, and replace them with your will to do what others will not. And that is to harness the beast. Those impulses inside you, those instincts to kill, to hunt, to be superior, do it all and do it the most and always understand it. They are forgetting that part of the Dark Ages ideology, the Gengar ideology, is that you never let the beast control you. Right? That's the big point of Feral Heart is that, yes, the beast is power. And yes, we agree with the beast and what it wants, but the, you're the master of yourself. That beast is a part of you and it is you, but one should master who you are. Never deny yourself a thing and obey your instincts, but you never give yourself up to it totally. And that's the risk. Most can't do that. And even on the path, most can't do that. And that's exactly what happens. In fact, in V5 Sabbat, they update it, right? Because we went from Harmonist Basis to switching to Road of the Beast to then jumping up and saying, okay, we're still Road of Beast, but where is that in V5? And as V5 Sabbat book states, followers of the Path of Beast do not treat the Beast as a separate entity anymore, but as their true selves. That is who they are. That union is absolute. It evolved. The Path of the Beast considers the minds, the, excuse me, considers the mind of vestigial trait standing in the way of the beast. The monster within replaces the conscious sense of self. Candidates who follow this path tend to become powerful and bestial very quickly. Too quickly. Remember that. We told you part of the motivations of being a Sabbat character is that superiority complex we need you to have to see mortals as less and you as a super predator. Well, in the course of doing that, we already primed you to devour your humanity. We now have you on a path where you are embracing what your beast is. We've super fueled you to step forward into this path and get powerful, as powerful as you can get super fast. Problem is, why would you ever stop? If we told you, given into frenzy every chance you got and coming out of it, you've learned to heal and you won the combat and your prey are torn to ribbons and your enemies are rent asunder and you're, you're stomping in the battlefield as the leader supreme. Why would you ever not do that? What reason could you possibly convince yourself to be lesser when you're superior? Now, that's why the path of the beast kind of falls out of common practice, due to its general inability to prevent you from falling to the wassail in the long term. It doesn't do the Sabbat any good if all their new recruits are made these super powerful badass soldiers bent on instinct and understanding the beast and charging forward, killing everything in their path and becoming powerful and doing it if they could never stop themselves from doing it when it needs to be stopped and directed elsewhere. They can't retain their immortality and thus their power. If they can't do that because they're constantly throwing themselves forward, eventually there is a bigger vampire. You know, there's a phrase I can't utter a common one. There's always a bigger and I'll leave it at that. Um, we'll, we'll just state that no matter how badass you think you are, there is always someone better. That is how it goes. And if you're in the Sabbat, you know that's true. You're pursuing the baddest of the bad. 
And that's the antediluvians. And if you're the first to feast, you're the first to famine because you're going to die. Think about it. You're the first one to run up and challenge a blood god. You're the first one to find out just how strong they are. You want to be that elder in the back directing the field, not the guy up front trying to prove himself. And even if you're successful, you know that elder behind you knows you're tired. And before you can recover, is going to do you in to seize the prize. That's a rinse and repeat. And the only way you're going to know that is if you're not a mindless beast charging forward to devour your prey. But guess what? On Path of the Beast, your fate is to be a weapon eternal, forever utilized at the crack of the whip of your true masters. And it's those who say, don't worry about it. We'll cover up what you did. Masquerade's not a threat for you. You're clearly superior. Carry on. They want you there. The best shock troops around would be those who could walk that path of the beast. But guess what? That's why it falls to the wayside. A medieval death cult doesn't have room for people uh, that are not going to be tested in the field. And a lot of these guys die before they can pass their way of life on to anybody else. It's a rinse repeat. It's not to say they're gone. It's to say that they are dying out. They are a rare breed to have. And that's why as a whole, they're not even followed because they can't maintain. Your stronger troops in the Sabbat in the end game, not even the end game, in V5 at this point, are going to be those who can hang on to an ideology that can plan, think, and use the strength they've earned to best effect. And that's kind of the evolution of the Path of Harmony and why it's gone and it's not around and why the Road of the Bees isn't the card-carrying creme de la creme for the Sabbat to have and why in the Gehenna War, we'll just say that it's not the, the Bees' needs, right? It's not the most followed. Thanks for listening, folks. If any of this uh, generated questions or thoughts, if anything, it's conversation and brings up, I do hope it hits its mark of going, I didn't think about all that. And that's what I want done. When you look at it that clean, it becomes a lot easier to digest. Trust where they're going. V5 Sabat isn't a bad book. It's telling you a logical conclusion to an origin that started. And this podcast just outlines they were on the right track. From where it started in the first ed to the uh, revised player's guide they had, or not the revised, but the uh, player's guide to the Sabbat to finally the V5 Sabbat. They haven't shortchanged anybody. Thank you, everybody. I'll go before my wife decides to kick something else around this podcast. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade.